Trek Companion. This is episode 327. I am your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing Star Trek Prodigy's first season episodes, First Contact, and Time Amok. Here we go. First Contact, Season 1, Episode 7. Original release date, January 13th, 2022. Directed by Steve Ahn and Sung Shin. Written by Deandra Pendleton Thompson. Guest cast include Robert Beltran as Captain Chakotay and Greg Griffin as Nandi. The crew responds to a distress signal that turns out to be a Ferengi smuggler named Nadi, who raised Dal. Nadi has a cloaking technology on her ship and offers to give the technology to the crew if they help her retrieve a crystal from a nearby pre-warp planet. Janeway warns that interfering with the young civilization violates Starfleet's prime directive, but her concerns are dismissed and the crew help Nadi steal the crystal. We need to help her! Let me guess. Your sick orphans have a bad case of the phage? Why, yes! How did you know? Out of all the sectors. Dal? You two-bit, crooked tooth, no good Ferengi! Dal, you worthless scam! Hollow emitters off! Get your ship over here! Or pickbox or bend me aboard! Target the damsel's location. Crew, I want you to meet Damon Nandi. The captain who raised me. This is one of those episodes where, you know, I take my notes and then I look back. Away team uses frequencies to respond to dirt ball. I haven't written that before. I haven't put those words together. I wonder if in the history of mankind, if any human has ever put those words together in that exact order. I don't know. Uh, Adam, get us going on first contact. First contact. So we've had numerous Prime Directive episodes throughout Star Trek you know, this one kind of turns it on its head a little bit. Like, this is obviously not a Starfleet crew. That's these are, you know, a bunch of, you know, basically kids who escaped a um, slave colony. So um, they're they're not Federation. So they're able to, to tell these kind of things in a different way based on this because um, they're not Starfleet. So they can break this prime directive without any kind of, you know, reference to what they're doing and so that's kind of what they do here they're turning the prime directive on its heel but we get to see through this episode the consequences of that so you know the episode starts out you know they get a distress call janeway you know wants them to go check it out and ends up being this this frangie who raised um who raised dal um to a certain point so um they go to this planet this pre-war planet janeway's totally against it and she goes through the whole reasons why you know we all as longtime star trek friends we know the prime directive we're very familiar with it but she explains it to this crew and to you know possibly the new audience that's out there watching these episodes you know younger a younger generation and why this is so serious and why it has so many consequences so we see this play out into the episode the you know the frangi is the frangi she double crosses them steals this crystal from these sentient beings who need these crystals to what you were saying, Brian, you know, um, play with, um, play with dust, make mud balls. Um, it's an interesting concept, you know, they use sound to create shapes with the, with the sand, um, in the desert. So, so, you know, it's unintended consequences that, that play out based on, you know, good faith. And that's why there is a prime directive. And I, I think this is a good, good episode, a good prime directive episode. It's simple. Um, ex- explains why you shouldn't do this, and then it shows the consequences of what happens when you break 
this this code that they have. I often talk that about how I like on this show the way they explain Star Trek concepts uh, in plain, simple terms. This episode opens up explaining transporters. This is the rare time when it's not that what the way they explain the Prime Directive is bad or anything, but it didn't feel nearly as effective uh, as some previous explanations to me. I mean, it's literally the Prime Directive. It's the number one most important thing, and I maybe the gravity of the Prime Directive could have been explained a little better. I don't know. Maybe that would have broken the story though if she'd explained that at the beginning. I, I don't know. But it, it didn't seem quite as elegant um, and clean and effective as some previous Star Trek conceptual explanations for me. But, I mean, it, it worked. It was still fine. And it probably, you know, was probably more effective for younger folks. But, uh, Steve, your first thoughts? Yeah, I mean, while I don't think this is the best Prime Directive-centric episode ever of Star Trek, I think, you know, a lot of a lot of what's floating around out there is this notion of... Justice, that, right? That's the one that... Oh, obviously, that, absolutely, of course. Yeah. The uh, this notion that uh, Prodigy could be an interesting introduction to Star Trek, you know, for some because of what it does. I think I think the episodes we're going to talk about today and in different ways kind of reinforce that to some extent because it is almost like Star Trek 101. I mean, they you know let's let's break this down. It's not it's not dumbed down. It's not uh, put in a way that's you know make insulting the audience it's just like say you know nothing let's introduce a concept and let's roll with it and actually the whole introduction with transporters was kind of uh, surprising somehow to me it's kind of like they haven't done this yet or they haven't used transporters you know it was that was kind of strange but um it you know the fact that they took the time to explain it and just not assumed you knew what that was about that was something and then um you know in some in some ways we have a very kind of traditional type of tale here with a uh with a person that's a raised raised doll and this notion of you know the this whole thing this this uh parental relationship perhaps and then that kind of idea of a um a breakdown in that you you don't know your the whole idea of am i loyal to my past am i loyal to the, my current group this kind of idea that's also been covered in trek too so it's kind of like it's taking a lot of little bits you know and throwing them in but it also i think it's doing it in a little different a bit of a different way than we've seen in, in some treks obviously because of the target audience i i thought i thought it was decent you know i, th- I thought it wasn't the best thing ever but uh you know they they do a decent job here and they cover they cover a number of different themes and then we have this this continuing um intrigue with the past crew and Captain Chakotay, and they bring that back, and we're going to continue on to see that in the next episode, which is uh, sort of a, a continuum that we're, while we're having the bottle episode, sort of, we're still touching on these these larger plot points. The Diviner. You look at Dal, the character Dal, and you, you know, we learn a little bit more about him. You know, he's been betrayed again by somebody that he thought he could trust. You know, he's kind of had a rough life, and, you know, doesn't know who his parents were. I mean, doesn't know if they're dead or alive. Um, was raised by a Ferengi who he finds out really just thought of him as a commodity and sold him off to the, you know, the diviner to, to work in the mines. So um, it's a pretty dark past, you know, it's not, you know, and I think that's true of most of the characters that we haven't gotten full on all of them yet. Like their background, at least I haven't, you guys probably know this because you're, you're far ahead of me on this, but yeah, it's, he's, yeah, he's got a rough past. I like it when we see alien civilizations that are 
so foreign. You know, I, I, I kind of wish we had more of that. I wish we had a little bit more of it in this episode. They seem pretty foreign. Maybe you could have even gone a little farther with their actual design. They still seem kind of like bipedal beings or something. Sort Especially of. in animation, you, yeah, you know, yeah. do whatever but, you want. But, you know, the, the whole thing with the dirt and the frequencies and all that stuff, that, that was that was interesting. And, and and maybe that's not the kind of what the episode they were trying to make, but I like it when they do something. Because, you know, when you think about it, if we ever actually encounter aliens, they're going to be so foreign that we're not even going to be able to imagine how different it would be, right? It's I just find it interesting, and I kind of wanted even more of it here. We don't get a lot of that. You know, usually they, it's... Uh, you know, alien forehead of the week. Mm-hmm. So it's it's cool. And it's definitely nice to see, take advantage of, you know, take advantage of the animation and do something crazy. We don't actually get a name. We had a name for the planet, but not the species, right? This is kind of the Ferengi introduction, I guess, which you don't have to say they're a commerce-oriented species or something. I mean, you you, you can figure that out probably. Right. Just con- contextually in this episode. Um but it's a solid use of a of a Frankie. Um, it is interesting to think about what would someone that is not a Frankie raised by a Frankie be like, and that kind of does track with who Dal is. This is an episode where it might have played better for me if it if it was a little longer. Actually, it's just so fast, and and he's so quick to do things that doesn't seem like the right thing to do or something. I don't know. Yeah, if you had more than 22 minutes in this, you could have gotten more what you were talking about, Brian. You know, a little bit more um, discovery of this this alien life that came across. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's probably because you don't have enough time to relate to that culture. You don't have enough time in in that space to feel like, wow, they violated them and they did it wrong against them because we just didn't spend enough time there. And I think, you know, often they're going for simpler concepts and, you know, just like, okay, this is a really alien species. Um, you know, you take the crystal and the things go haywire. It's just they kind of they keep it. It's not dumbed down. It just keeps it simple. You know, it's like you get the gist of it. You know, you think about the audience that they're they're showing this to. So you don't want to get too too complicated. Can somebody explain to me? I feel like I'm missing something on the the prime directive. Okay, prime directive is you do not um, interrupt the natural evolution of a of a species. And kind of an, as an extension of that, like subparagraph A, right, is if they're pre-warp, you don't have first contact, right? That's what I've gathered from it over the years. Yeah, sounds about right. Because once they have warp ability, they're going to interact, and you know that, so you head it off to the pass, right? Go ahead and make an intro. This feels like... This is one of those episodes that confuses me a little bit because, I mean, the original series, fine. They're still figuring stuff out, whatever. But but here, it feels a little bit like first contact, pre-warp. Maybe we shouldn't even go down there, in which case that would have been a different argument Janeway did not make. That, that's true. But no. And again, like I said, sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit confused on the details of the prime directive. Well, the more vague it is, the more yeah. variable the story they can make. But that that is true. It You know, they're pre-warp. We shouldn't even be touching this, let alone trying to swindle them or something. So I would put this, for me, I would put this on an average episode of this show so far. For listeners at home, my peers are shaking their heads, not, nodding affirmatively to me. Oh, yeah. I forgot they're not watching us all the time. 
I, I, yeah, it's, it's an average episode. More. Yes, yes, yes. Now, yeah, I would say it's an average episode. They accompl- I think they they accomplish what they're trying to do in this episode. I like the opening. This is a rare episode where they have a. It's a like a teaser, you know, pre main titles. I actually like that teaser a lot. The transporter mm-hmm. stuff. It works. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also you had the like you mentioned earlier, but you had the um the intrigue about this whole thing with Chakotay, and you have Janeway watching it over and over and all that. Yeah, it's cool. What is this episode about? I think we've kind of we we parsed it through this episode what this what it's about. I mean, there it's a prime directive episode. It's talking about unintended consequences. You may have good intentions, and I do think the crew in this situation they had good intentions, but they were you know they were swindled by the by their you know Ferengi caretaker, and um, you see what happens when you do things that you know go against um, protocol and, and start going against the prime directive. Like there's a reason that there's a prime directive because it can cause unintended harm. We, the best intentions can still cause unintended harm. And you, you see that play out in this episode. I mean, other, you know, other prime directive episodes, you know, where, where things have gone awry, you know, sometimes they flash forward, you know, hundreds of years and they, you know, you can see the, the effects, but yeah, that's what they're trying to say here is like, you know, all, even good intentions can have bad consequences. Yeah, any prime directive episode is there are shades of that notion. I mean, it's it's all about the intentions versus the consequences. And prime directive, general order one, it's first for a reason. It makes sense. And and I'm not. I don't think there's been a Trek episode where they've broken the prime directive and it's been like all rosy and there's no bad. So I think there's a reason for that, right? That's one of the messages here of of Star Trek as a whole. So I think. That's that's on a basic level is what they're trying to talk about. Six degrees for first contact. Adam. Yes. This is a female Ferengi, and she is wearing clothes. Who gave female Ferengi the right to wear clothes? Was it Cork? When he was... No. Steve? But, uh, Rom? No. It was, it was Grand Nagasek. Oh, okay. Yeah, in the end of the sixth season, I think. Okay. I'm positive about that. I think I'm pretty sure it's end of the sixth season. I don't know. Yeah, it was Zek. We didn't even speak of that, but I did. It did strike me how, depending on like the timeline, exactly where all that transpired, this was a very forward, you yeah, know, for a Frankie female, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very progressive. Uh, no points. Moving on. <laughs> Time Amok, Season 1, Episode 8, original release date, January 20th, 2022. Directed by Olga Ulanova and Sun Shin. Written by Nikhil S. Jairayam. Guest cast include Robert Beltran as voice of Captain Chakotay and Gray Griffin as Nandi. After the crew fail to work together to solve a riddle, the protostar goes through a tachyon storm that splits each of them into different streams of time, or each experience the speed of time differently. Janeway moves between each crew member and helps them all contribute to a plan to save the ship. Jankum was closest to the protodrive, so he was the fastest. Rock was next in line, so she was the slowest. That means... I don't have nearly enough time. The core breach alarm. It's going to explode. I may not be able to build a warp matrix, but I can do the next best thing. You're drawing up schematics so I can pass them on to someone else. This mission cannot be done alone. And though we are divided by time, we can work together. My regret is that I cannot do more. 
All right, Steve, kick us off on time amok. Yeah, so I was commenting in the break that I, I think this is the only time we may have covered two episodes where the titles are both riffs on previous episode titles of the Star Trek universe. So this episode, you know, has kind of a, a bit of a unique take on time travel and whatnot, this kind of notion of being in different phases where we're not talking about strictly speaking past, future, present, blah, 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 but this idea of existing on different planes. And of course, the whole notion of this is so the crew can work together without being together and finding creative ways to make that happen uh, through the Janeway hologram and so forth. So that, that's something different. It's kind of interesting. They, they kick it off with this uh, holodeck uh, fable, the thing we've all, all, you know, are familiar with the fox, the chicken, and the bag of grain, how do you get it across there and so on and so forth. And then we end up with it, of course, being a, a fable, a, a morality tale of working together and so forth. And I think what's interesting too, with this, not only being a kind of an unusual take on time phasing and time travel is you kind of have this almost dark, sad notion of this character, that's you know vulnerable a child that's been on her own for so long throughout this you know we we don't even know exactly how long they don't even state it but at the same time the silver lining of the the um the growing up and the education and you know and so forth the skills that have happened during this time so that's it's almost unsettling in a way uh how that element plays in this episode but i I thought it was interesting i it's certainly a memorable unique episode yeah it is really melancholy that rock i mean it could have been years they they seem to go out of their way to not answer that question Mm -hmm. just (laughs) because i mean they just want it to be you know anything more than a few months would be meaningless to like the target audience of this show Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have any concept of it being years or something but you know that could have really mess with somebody's uh, mental health <laughs> right and it's just it's 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 kind of nutty but yeah I, I like the structure of this episode like the structure of the story and the setup for the story and this idea of you know each each person being in a an alternating speed of time and the way time advances and who you select to put in each one you know it seems like it would have been fun to plot this out from a story perspective right Adam, your first thoughts here? Yeah, I'm in agreement with both you guys. I I I really like this episode. I, of the two, I like this one more. Um it's a it's a science fiction story. You know, you're playing with time and it's again, it's it's to me it's an interesting enough story for, you know, me being 47 years old and I'm thinking, you know, it, to a 7-year-old because it's it's they're playing with the concept of time, but they tell it in a way that, like I said, it's interesting to me as an old man and as it would be to, to a younger child. So I, I like what they did here. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I, I've had the fantasy of being alone on a, on a starship and playing around and, you know, mine is Enterprise D of the holodeck. You learn, I've had that fantasy where you're learning about the ship and that kind of thing. Um, so I this is one of the things we were talking about in the previous, about the previous episode is like, you know, I wish they had a little bit more time to, you know, go into depth about what, you know, what happened to that alien race. And this one, it didn't ruin it for me or anything, but it would have been interesting to have a little bit more time to see what, what rock went through during this time. You know, I mean, obviously it probably would have been a montage, you know, her working, studying, spending time in the holodeck, you know, and that would repeat over and over again. I, you know, I just think that might've given it a little bit of more emotional weight to it 
you know, they still wouldn't have to say how long she was there or, you know, but just maybe, I think maybe a little 30 second montage of somehow demonstrating that a lot of time passed for her would have been, would have been good in this episode. And that, that's my only little complaint about it. It, it is neat and effective how they, you know, the, the point here is they're divided by time, but they can still work together. It's another aspect of the connecting the bits to make the story work. That's clever. Yeah. I was, I, I still say, I think zero is my favorite character. She didn't have much to do in today's two episodes, but she was effective. I wonder if it was at all informed by the pandemic. I mean, at least part of the time during the making of this, it would have still been at the heart of that, I would suspect. But it made me kind of think about being in separate spaces physically, but still working with people, you know, virtually in a way. Well, that was definitely true of her. You know, when they showed her towards the end there, when she's regenerating Janeway, you know, all the dirty dishes and the mess hall. (laughs) We all remember that from the pandemic. I don't want to do dishes today. Screw it. Um, we well, we it's, the, then the what what's his the robot's name? I he always reminds Dreadnought. me. He reminds me of General Grievous, so that's what first pops into my head. <laughs> so obviously, you know, it, that's the the overarching storyline here. You know, he's beamed to the ship because Nadi um, gave away their position, so his schematics were were sent to the ship. Yeah, building I think it's a cool idea. You send just you know, it just builds him how that really gets his almost sentience across program maybe it's a bit of a stretch but it's fine it's a cool idea and the way that he's he's in like each time thing too so yeah it's neat we get a little bit uh more in that janeway backstory right dreadnought she's janeway hollow janeway says to the dreadnought you attack my former career and you erase my memory then he says something like not exactly or close but not quite or something like that so we're always getting just, you know, little tidbits. But the one difference here was it seems like he's making it clear that the Dreadnought and Diviner know the answer to that question, which implies that, you know, they are responsible somehow. And there's also that image where you can see, like, Dreadnought's eyes or whatever behind Chakotay in that security footage or whatever it is. They should be changing Chakotay's command codes moving forward. Yeah, that probably should have done that. <laughs> Gwen really seems to have become, these two episodes are the first time that Gwen is just totally a normal part of the crew, right? There's no more, she's not quite a part of us, or she's she wants to get away. There's none of that. They're right. just all the crew now. She, yeah, she's fully accepted. That's yeah. the way I feel about it. And she wants to be there and only there as well, right? Just when I think of this show, that's how I think of her. So the first few episodes, the episodes prior to today's podcast discussion, it was a different Gwen, almost. Well, even if we didn't mention it in the previous episode. I mean, you know, that's another relatable thing that Gwen and Dal have. You know, that they had that little scene in the episode. She's like, "Well, my father, yeah, betrayed me too." So, I mean, mm-hmm. but bonds them even even more so. Yeah, that was a nice scene in the previous episode. So, I, I definitely enjoyed watching this episode more than the previous one. I think, like you said, Steve, it's a nice little proto <laughs> Star Trek time episode, like a mini cause and effect or something. What is this episode about? The episode's about teamwork, really. Obviously, they, they hit it off right there in the tease. You know, they're you know they they doing these team building exercises because they have to become a crew um, to work together to survive to run this ship. And um, you know, they obviously don't succeed in the holodeck there. And then the whole episode plays out where they're forced forced to work together. They're for, forced to, to 
to survive literally if they don't they will all perish and you know and each character along you know along this little timeline thing here you know that demonstrates like you know how much maybe not work they have to do but you know what they have to accomplish and then like we said at the end by the end of the episode roke you know she you know she's probably engineer educated you know the kind of the way they make it out there at the end so her character it'll be for me who hasn't seen these episodes it'll be interesting to see um how her character changes from here going forward yeah i think i think it's teamwork and it's and it's uh also this idea of uh, specifically with teamwork the idea of, of of having to having to take a piece of something and roll with it to the best of your ability and have faith that it will be picked up by the next in the next step and, and complete it because that's oftentimes that's difficult for some, you know, to, to roll with a, a portion of a piece of work and put all into it when you yourself are not completing all of it. And they, they address that, uh, the, the conversation with the hologram, Janeway and Dal, they talk about, you know, he's reluctant to, but I can't finish this, you know, well, someone else can't this kind of idea. So I, I think that, that little twist on the, the teamwork thing is interesting for this episode. All right. Easy question for you, Steve, for Six Degrees for Time Amok. The title of this episode is, of course, a play on the original series episode Amok Time. What season of original series did that air? The second season. Yes. I should have actually, I originally was going to ask for the month and the hmm. year. I should have done that. Should have bonus, done that. bonus. Can I, can bonus, I guess bonus. for bonus or do you have that available? I don't uh, know that I know it offhand, but I could give it a go. Yeah. All right. Why don't you guess? September 67. September 15th, 1967. Ding, 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 ding. Steve is the master trekker. Your check is in the mail. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't think we had any news. I always say that. Let's see. We did have a new uh, clip from Prodigy from the unaired, because Vegas Trek Convention was uh, recently. So we had a new episode from prodigy season two which seemed to me to be spoilery stuff i didn't actually watch it but i at least read about it so i'm cool with it but i don't think we need to bring it up because it seemed kind of spoilery to me but it was cool and it was exciting i think there may have been a motivation to try to get people interested good point good point there was a scene released from discovery season five that was part of the vegas thing or was that comic-con Maybe, yeah, maybe that was Comic-Con, actually. Maybe that was last month. But otherwise, I don't think there was much in terms of news. Uh, Since our last episode, Strange New World Season 2 has concluded, including that surprise ninth episode (laughs) they were also excited about. But uh, I have a feeling we'll end up talking about that. Within the next year? Yeah. I think that's going to be on our agenda for 2024. So, Brian, so Season 2 of Prodigy it's coming out but it doesn't have a distributor so what is i'm sorry i'm a little confused by that they're trying to find somebody to distribute it to take it on so at the moment it has nothing they're nearing the end of post for the last few episodes and those will be done in the last in the next couple of months and that is uh that's a 20 episode run right i would assume so yeah so we we're pretty sure the original plan was to do ten, to to release ten episodes this fall and then ten episodes next fall, but all twenty will be done by the end of this fall. Where they air is the question. Yeah, so I mean they could probably put them out on 
you know, disc or put them on iTunes for sale or something right now if they wanted to, but they wouldn't because a lot, so much of the time, your deal with any kind of streamer or network or whoever has to do with you can't put it out on, say, digital or physical media until after we get to air it first. So they wouldn't want to close themselves off from some deals they could try to make by putting it out any other way at the moment. Let's all hope it's on a service we already paid for. <laughs> yeah, but that's not going to stop us. We know. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Let's hope so yeah. we don't spend the extra money. Yeah, like what besides Star Trek? You'd be like, well, whatever they put it on, I'll pay for it to watch it. Is there anything besides Star Trek that that's a blanket yes? So really, we could just make up something and then, you know, get a loan and put them out and... <laughs> We'd get a, a fixed amount of money for sure from some people. That's right. So iTunes. So iTunes used to do this. I mean, I told you this, Brian, that I when I bought Prodigy on iTunes, I it they only had a season pass for sale. So I remember in the past before and they streaming, had the only at the time they only had the first ten episodes up. Yeah. yeah. So, so so I remember years ago. I, it really doesn't happen as much anymore. But I remember you could buy a season pass for I don't know Game of Thrones on iTunes. But you you would have to watch. They would come out like the next day after HBO ran them. You just pay for them as it goes. So you could watch. You could, but that was a. Mo- I don't know if that model still exists on iTunes. It's a little different. That model I think still exists for normal network programming, but for streaming, it's it's different. For streaming, it's more like what you just saw with Prodigy, where they had the first ten episodes up, and those those came out almost a year after they aired on Paramount Plus. They came out at the same time the the Blu-ray came out. They obviously pulled up their timetable to put episodes 11 through 20 on iTunes, but not by much. We assume it was probably going to go up this fall, partially as a marketing thing for season two starting to air um, at the same time. The Blu-ray was going to come but out. But I do remember the season the season passes when they, when they were a thing on iTunes. It was more expensive to buy the season pass than it was to wait and then buy the season later on. Thanks to it being placed on digital services, we won't have to have that couple of weeks break we anticipated having in September 2023 uh, while we were waiting for the Blu-rays. So we we, don't, we do plan to just keep rolling right through, and we're just going to watch those couple of episodes in the middle of September digitally. And then I personally will switch over to the Blu-ray for episodes 11 through 20 once that comes out. But anyway, uh, we do have a plan. You know, to con- We're going to do as we had said and continue with Prodigy's first season through the majority of the fall we're going to be back in two weeks to finish out the first half of prodigy's first season until then you can send us an email trekcompanion at gmail.com our twitter handle is at trekcompanion thank you so much for spending a half an hour with us and until next time take it easy bye guys see ya Stefan, I passed it.